0: Everyone, let's just get right into it today because we are joined by one of the most successful entrepreneurs ever, Damon John. We talk fresh off his mass anger elimination. We talk about that. Of course, we talk about Shark Tank, his fellow sharks. Talk about it all. Business advice, working with Bethany Frankel. So stay tuned for our chat with Damon John. And immediately following that, we share a chat that we had prior with the one, the only, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. It's a sh- which really was one of our favorites, both of these guys. I love talking to business people. I really do. So first, our new chat with Damon John, and then we share a chat with Mr. Kevin O'Leary. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get into it today because we are joined by the one. The only Damon John, (laughs) how you doing? What is going on? I mean, from shark to fortune teller, Damon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's me, I think. Yeah. How's it? I mean, you know, fresh off your mass Singer elimination, like has it sunk in? I know it's only been a few hours. Like, how is this experience?
2: Oh, no, it didn't. It it, it sunk in a long time ago. It sunk in when I was there in that box and Harp uh, uh, sang her, put out her first word. Uh, It sunk in. And (laughs) so I've had a lot of time to think about it. And uh, and it was just such an amazing experience that that I I would recommend anybody if they have the opportunity to do it, they got to do it.
0: I mean, you know, listen, when I think of Damon John, I think of Shark Tank, I think of FUBU, I think of really one of the most well known and successful entrepreneurs, but I definitely don't think Singer, like what drew you to this experience? uh Well, thank you. I don't. I don't believe that I'm a
2: singer as well. I think that, like most people, you know, I don't. I don't like my voice. I don't like hear. I don't like hearing you know my voice just talking. You know, when you use that the voice recorder and you heard yourself, you're like, oh, ah. So I don't like that at all. I haven't gotten used to that after 14 years on national television. But um, I you know what led me to do it? I, I like I like testing myself. I like being vulnerable. Um, but it really is the mask because uh you know uh you know Dancing with the Stars. I don't know if I would do that. I mean, you would see. You know, there's no mask on. You see me sweating and, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, just doing all kinds of stuff like that. But this one, I could just I could have messed up for the entire time. But when I take off the mask, it's just a little bit of pain. And then I leave. Right. So I think you get some courage underneath the mask.
0: I know it just happens with the elimination. But like, have you heard from anyone? Like, have you heard from any of your fellow sharks or anyone else? Oh,
2: I, I, I yeah, I heard from everybody and, and super supportive, way more supportive than I thought, you know, because um i don't know a lot of people just a lot of people wow you know can could with what courage i mean even i don't even have any i mean even kevin even kevin i mean the number one hater in the world uh you know it was like wow cool you know how can i get you on stage and get a royalty from that you know so you know it, it was been amazing
0: which of your fellow sharks do you think would go far in this competition or would maybe benefit from this experience of being on the mass singer
2: you know, that's interesting because I think that Kevin, I think that Cuban, uh, who he used to, Mark used to, uh, I think, teach da- uh, disco lessons. He he went, you know, way up there on Dancing with the Stars. I think Robert, Robert has such energy, you know, um, you know, amazing. So they would, you know, give him, I don't know, I don't know what kind of songs. You got to think of some happy songs that, that Robert would sing. So I think those two would really go far. Um, I think they would go far, to be very honest.
0: What about Barbara? I don't know. This just has Barbara written all over it to me.
2: Barbara would do it for sure. One hundred and twenty percent. Yeah. you know, The only one who I don't think would do it would be Lori. I was just talking to her team this morning. I said I would give I would give a kidney if I could see her in a scrub daddy outfit dancing around with some uh, some toilet seats around her somewhere around on stage. But I don't think we can get Lori in that.
0: Did you apply, you know, listen, you've doled out such great business advice over 14 seasons on Shark Tank. Like, did you apply any business advice, like, going into this? You seem like you always, you're a man that always has a plan.
2: Yeah, you know, the only thing that I did apply, and I got to tell you, it wasn't my idea, it was one of the... I don't know one of the costume people is I apply to stay in character at the end of the day, because, you know, when you think about businesses and everything else, you know, a lot of times people want to get so granular on the business itself. And I knew going into there that I cannot compete from uh, from being a a singer. Right. If I try to concentrate on the words and this and that, I'm never going to win. Right. But I'm over 50 and I know how to do the robot that's an asset the robot will always be an asset right so always be in show mode uh which hopefully is what led me to at least win against um you know the the mummies which were great um but at the end of the day I went up against somebody that I mean her voice sounded like an angel even though I was robbed her voice still sounded like an angel
0: do you have any, I, like, who would you guess the harp is? I mean, I can never guess these things. I, you know, you, yeah, when it's revealed, you're like,
2: any, You know, I don't watch too much TV, but, you know, and I just did, one. I just did Jennifer Hudson's show probably like two weeks ago. And Jennifer Hudson is extremely slim. And the harp uh, was not as slim as Jennifer Hudson. She reminded me of a little bit of the old Jennifer Hudson, but I, I don't know. Whoever it is, um, Man, if she's doing anything else, she better just, she just better drop it all and become a singer. Because when those tears started shedding after she started singing, I mean, it is one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. And maybe because I was just, I was about six feet away from her when she started singing. Absolutely, absolutely amazing
0: wow well listen like i said shark tank 14th season you know you're heading into kardashians territory here like this is one of the yeah. most successful reality like what do you attribute to success i mean it's a great show but what do you attribute to success i think shark it's tank? the
2: same with, as the success of the, the masked singer i think it's seeing people stripped down and being vulnerable to be judged. Like all of us, uh, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be stripped down and judged. I think it's unpredictable as just the mass Singer has changed up their format this year. You know, you don't know what's going to happen on Shark Tank. It's very unpredictable. And Shark Tank, the difference of that is that, you know, today it is exactly why Shark Tank started. Shark Tank started in 07, 08 when we couldn't find any money. People were jobless and we were frustrated and angry and we wanted to empower ourselves and stop working for somebody else and that's full circle where we are today and when those people get on that stage the sharks learn way more from them than they learn from us and everyday people can look be on that stage look at that stage and say one day i'm going to be that person or tomorrow i'm going to start a business and i'm going to take care of my family and i think that that's what makes shark tank a success the sharks are not important on shark tank it's more about the contestants and what they're you know how they're changing their lives and empowering others
0: well, speaking of the contestants, I mean, one of our advertisers here over the past several years has been Bombas socks. So shout out to Bombas. But the most successful product in Shark Tank history. I mean, what made you what just made you invest in Bombas? And you said, hey, this could be a winner.
2: Yeah. You know, keeping in the theme of this, if you strip it all down. Um, the last thing I went on to the show to diversify my portfolio. I had already uh, 10 clothing companies. Eight of them were dead. So the last thing I wanted to buy was socks. But when you stripped it down, Dave and Randy are the most amazing people. And they had a drive to not only change the world in a better way for, the, for themselves, but for those in the homeless community and they wanted people to come along with the ride and the proof was there and I couldn't resist these guys, uh, you know, even till today, very few people know who they are because they don't care about that they care about changing lives and up to till today they, they gave away now I think over 80 million uh, pieces of garments of clothes with the help of everybody who purchases to those in need so uh, it, it all it's going to always go down to the person what people invest in.
0: How often do you rub it in Kevin's face that you have the most successful product in Shark Tank history? Um, I rub it in his face every
2: time I do an interview. Every time I do an interview, I say, don't don't remember. When you see my fellow uh, sharks that I call underachievers, who is the lead shark with the number one product in Shark Tank history. And they try to do some, No, well, numbers is all about per quarter. I don't care. Shut up. I'm the best numbers don't lie right numbers don't lie no matter how much you want to try to fix them well I sold the company in this period of time so technically technically you are you have sour grapes technically
0: what about are you ever shocked like you know you mentioned scrub daddy like you look at a scrub daddy squatty potty tipsy elves are you ever shocked at some of the ones that are these huge winners where you're just like I mean tipsy elves I mean I would never predicted that I am never shocked because uh, it's a big
2: world and there are a lot of people out there. And when you know the stats of things like one of the top selling um, you know, commercial uh, products in history is a Rubik's Cube or the other things. Uh, when you, when, you, when I, know, I know so much about out there, I am never, never shocked. You know, we don't invest in companies because it's not a right a good idea. It's not a good idea for us. Or maybe the person's not executing it the proper way. But if the one of the biggest companies in the world is a brown sugary drink with bubbles that everybody else makes at the same time, uh, I'm never shocked.
0: Is there like one product that stands out to you that's just like, man, I just wish that was mine. Like it's the one that got away. The only one that I see, you know,
2: so for the most part, when we pass on them or we lose on something, something wasn't right for us. Right. Ring doorbell. Even Jamie said he was asking too much when he came into the tank and then he went out and he reduced his ass. But the one that got away that the only one is scrub daddy. Because I bid it on that one. And I fought for that one, so it didn't get away because I was like, "Yeah, I, I don't want it." I bid it on that one, and then Lori, she beat me, and she did so well with that thing that it's the second best-selling product in Shark Tank history. Um, and I am pissed off. I'm I'm very I'm I'm so happy for Aaron, the owner, and Lori, but I'm pissed off because I also whenever time I, whenever I'm some out someplace like a hardware store or in a grocery store. That damn scrub da- scrub daddy is smiling, looking at me all the time.
0: I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, which i love they also satisfy my carb craving but don't take my word for it right now 310 is celebrating a new year of goals The only thing I love as much as Real Housewives is wine. But I have to admit, I don't know anything about wine. Well, let me tell you, with First Leaf, you no longer have to be an expert. You go to tryfirstleaf.com slash velvetrope and you take the quiz. They ask you things like, do you prefer white or red? Do you like your wines oaky or buttery? So you take this awesome online quiz and at the end, they recommend bottles for you. As you drink the bottles, you rate them, you give them a thumbs up or a Thumbs down. And based on your feedback, they hone in on your taste even more. So your personalized selections, which come right to your front door, are tailored to fit your taste buds. First Leaf can recommend wines with 96% accuracy. But the best part if you're not completely satisfied with a bottle, First Leaf will credit you for another. It truly is wine made simple. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles. For $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash velvetrope. That's T R Y F I R S T L E A F dot com slash velvetrope and get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com. Dot com slash velvet row. I am feeling so good today. and It's because of Organifi. I use Organifi every day. Listen, Organifi is an organic superfood blend that offers plant-based nutrition made with high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science backed. And that's why I like it because it makes sense to me to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic, free of fillers, and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. I also love the variety. I use the Organifi Green juice, which helps reduce stress. I use the Organifi red juice, which is a superfood punch, which increases energy and the Organifi. Each Organifi blend is so easy to use. You just mix it with water or your favorite beverage while you're on the go. And they don't compromise quality for taste. It tastes really good. I also love that, oh my God, it's so affordable. It's based on a market price that works out to be less than $3 a day. So listen, head over to Organifi.com slash Velvet Rope and use code Velvet Rope at checkout to receive 20% off your entire order. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Organifi.com slash Velvet Rope, use Velvet Rope at checkout and get 20% off your entire order. Remember the good old days and I'm really dating myself here. I know when you had to like go to your psychiatrist's office and like sit there and wait in the waiting room and it was quiet and you were looking at people around you and you had to wait and you had to walk there and you had to drive there. Mental health and therapy and psychiatry has never been so simple. Now that you're able to access mental health in the comfort of your own device, it's never been so simple to schedule. Talkspace, it's really changed the game. You can send messages to your dedicated therapist and Talkspace platform. You could schedule your sessions. You can help set goals all from your device. You never have to leave your home. And if you're like me and you travel and you're really never in one place for more than a few months, it's great. You don't have to keep changing therapists. They have thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, depression, anxiety, substance abuse. Trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food, eating. As a listener of Behind the Velvet Rope, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. When you go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To get $100 off, that's Talkspace.com. Slash velvet as a reality TV and pop culture podcast, we sit here and talk about all the greatest reality TV shows of all time. And we all know one of the greatest ever is the surreal life. You guys remember it. And let's face it, the surreal life brought us some of the craziest celeb moments in TV history. Well, guess what? The surreal life is now back on Monday, October 24th at nine, 8 central. The first celeb reality social experiment is back on VHY. Buckle up because this season is surrealer than ever. Eight unfiltered celebrities and these guys are really unfiltered from all different walks of fame, are forced to live under one roof away from the spotlight of Hollywood that they're so used to. These big, big personalities step out of their comfort zones and reveal their true inner selves. The celebrities are Dennis Rodman, August Olsina, Tamar Braxton, Frankie Munez, Manny MUA, Kim Coles, CJ Perry, and wait for it, Stormy Daniels. Oh my God. Can you imagine Stormy Daniels in the same house as Dennis Rodman? Well, you're about to watch that on The Surreal Life. All of them are going to connect and collide in unexpected ways, leaving reality TV fans on the edge of their seat. Things are about to get surreally wild. Don't miss the surreal life. New season premieres Monday, October 24th at 9, 8 central on VH1. It is literally everywhere. Well, listen, we talked about which sharks would be great on The Masked Singer. I think of some of like, you know, your guest sharks that you've had over the years that would be good on The Masked Singer. But what was it like, you know, guesting with like Bethany Frankel, now Gwyneth Paltrow? What were they like? What was it
2: like working with them? Yeah,
0: on, on Shark Tank.
2: Uh, brilliant. I mean, you know, the casting, the the, the producers, the, you know, this is not about putting somebody on because they have a big name only because their big name brings in people. But whoever they bring on with a big name also has an extension of products that are touching people. And when you get to talk to that person, there's a reason why, you know, Goop or various other things have gotten out there because that person is a true operator of businesses and they have insight Um, and they care when they come on the show. There are a lot of people who want to come on the show who are celebrities. And when they find out, they really have to put their own money up and they really have to roll up their own sleeves to get the business. They go, well, maybe it's not for them. Maybe they're too busy. Whatever the case is. Oh, can my manager handle that? No. So when uh, you have people who come there and are our, our fellow sharks, you know, they are there for the for the right reasons.
0: What about, you know, like, do you ever have any ideas? Because I think that, you know, like we mentioned the Kardashians, you know, Mark always likes to throw around that he's like, you know, the billionaire on the show. What about like, how would you think Kim Kardashian would do as a guest?
2: I think Kim is great. I think Kim is amazing. You know, um, uh, you know, I worked with the girls in their earlier years and I still, you know, uh, talk to Chris uh, from time to time and they've done amazing. hundred percent. They're real operators of their businesses. They would do, they would do great.
0: hundred percent. And they seem to work hard, and that's what a good Shark Tank
2: judge does. They work hard, and they look at the, you know, they have a long map, but they also look at directly what's in front of them. I remember Kim, uh, uh Chris's initial thing was, hey, you know, we're on our 15 minutes, minutes of fame, and this was like three years after the Kardashian initially aired, and she said, my hope is that each one of my kids maybe has one or two businesses after all these lights go down. And, you know, that was about... 13, 14 years ago, uh, that, that Chris and I had that conversation.
0: Wow. What advice would you give on if one of your guests, are, you know, like we said, like Kevin, Lori may, may not do it, but what if, you know, somebody did want to come on The mass Singer, Robert, like what advice would you give them?
2: Have fun. Um, you know, that at the end of the day, you, you know, you're most likely not going to be able to compete on the level of some of these professional singers. Um, so, you know, what else can you do? Can you dance? Can you have fun? Can your energy just be so um, out of this world that people just want to root for you because they feel like, you know, you're a child or a kid in that moment, just having the best time of your life and just do that. You know, uh, uh, you know it was all about having fun. I didn't let it get to me. You know, if you, if you think about it, you know, people talk about drop the mic, you're not supposed to drop the mic in the beginning of the the uh, the performance. It's usually at the end, if you smoke the performance, I dropped the mic, I didn't stop. I had a good time, I, you know, and that was part of, I think the beauty of it, of being a little vulnerable for people to say, I want to root for that person.
0: What about, you know, I'm always interested to see what songs people choose. Like who just, who do you like in music, either past or present, like who are your musical favorites? My musical favorites, I don't know, yeah. listen,
2: lately I've been listening to Jim Croce, I uh, like James Taylor, but I like Chris Brown as well, and Bob Marley, and Stevie Wonder, but my favorite of all times, in all time history, is Prince, you know, Prince, and then, then it would be probably Michael Jackson, but then I'll go down the road, Stevie Wonder, and listen, I, I, I've been up all night, uh, for some reason, looking at Pink Floyd's performances, so, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place when it comes to music.
0: Prince is way up there for me. So yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, talk about a genius, right? Absolutely. Well, listen, I know that you are going to be at um, the third annual Entrepreneurs Day, uh, October 27th at the Apollo Theater. You're going to be there with like Venus Williams and Spike Lee and Tracy Ellis Ross. What business advice would you give, you know, just to people starting out, like entrepreneurs that are listening to this that are still in their nine to five and they're like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Yeah. So the, the best thing about Black Entrepreneurs Day is that
2: it's a version of Shark Tank. But here's the only thing we get. We, you know, at this point, we're going to probably surpass giving away eight hundred thousand dollars uh, to black businesses and giving away. That's a grant. So that's the best thing is we don't want any part of your company. Um, so, of course, I would suggest that to other businesses to, to apply to anywhere where you can get free money, <clears throat> pitch competitions and grants also. Uh, learn from people who have made these mistakes prior. And that's why we do Black Entrepreneurs Day because all those people you're talking about, we're going to talk about their successes a little bit, but more about their failures. And and that's what it is. Before you ever go out and open a company and, and spend a dollar go out and see where you can get free money, free education, right? You know, go get that, build that first. And then if you really want to take that step and open a small a, a company, take affordable steps. The first, one of the top reasons businesses go, small businesses fail is they, from overfunding, they take a hundred thousand dollar loan when they need $10,000, right? To start. Uh, so take, first of all, educate yourself, get as much free money and free education as you can, and then take affordable steps.
0: Wow. And you think that's one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs did make?
2: That is because they they are all told you need to make money to you need to have money to make money. But if 65 percent of the wealthiest people in the world were self-made men and women, that means they had no money. And if lotto winners and athletes uh, are bankrupt three years after 65 percent of them are bankrupt three years after leaving the legal winning the lotto, that means money was a tool that they didn't know how to use. So it's really about um, really understanding how to build a community first and educating yourself. Do not go out and spend a lot of money because there's a lot of people out there who don't have a good intent and they will promise you the world and not deliver. Wow. And take that money.
0: And as we wrap up, like what have you, have you learned anything? I mean, I know it was, you know, you were here for a few weeks. Have you learned anything about yourself through this experience on The Mass Singer that you didn't know before? Um anything about myself that no,
2: no, not, not really, because a lot of my friends are like, Oh my God, I can't wait. You know, you can sing. And I don't think, I still don't think I can sing that well. I think that I had the beauty of being able to sit with a singing professional, a coach and go over probably 10 line, 10 lines for like <clears throat> two months. Right. So I can get that down pat. Um, Other than that, uh, I, I just learned that something about myself, that I'm always going to be willing to be vulnerable and put myself out there and learn um, and uh you know and be judged because I think that's the only way that we can improve.
0: Amazing. Well I've thoroughly enjoyed watching you. I've enjoyed watching you for 14 years on Shark Tank. So thank you for that. And I hope this show goes on forever. Both Mass Singer and Shark Tank.
2: Uh, I would I-, I hope the same. Thank you so much, Dave.
0: Take care. Thank you. All right bye. Bye. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary. Hello. Great to be
1: here, David. Great to be here.
0: How are you today? I'm crispy. And really the question is, where are you? I mean, I know you have all these different houses, you have all your different homes. Where are you? Well, I'm, I'm actually I'm,
1: I'm in Miami. Um, I'm liking Florida these days. Um, love the weather, of course, and city is just booming. It's the new tech center of America. Everybody in New York has moved to Miami. Everybody from Los Angeles moved to Miami. We're just bursting at the seams here. Do you have a home in Miami, or are you just visiting? Yes, I do. I'm right on the beach, right on the beach. I really like it here. The sand in the elevator, as I like to say.
0: I am in New York City, and yes, I can attest that everyone from New York has officially fled to Miami and is probably staying there for the foreseeable future. That is true. So let's just get right into it. I want to talk, before we get into all this current stuff and lots of questions for you, you know, we see Kevin O'Leary before us today, the intelligent businessman. He speaks out. He has an opinion on everything. I want to just start at the beginning. What were you like as a child? Were you always like self-assured? Were you buying lemonade from the store for a dollar and selling it down the street for $2?
1: Actually, I I was a a kid with a lot of problems. I had a really bad case of dyslexia and I was falling behind in school. My mother was very concerned. And you know, I I don't think um, I got my entrepreneurial chops until I got my first job and I got fired on my first day and I've never worked with or for anybody ever again. Getting fired was very humiliating and um, it taught me a lesson that, you know, there's you either control your own destiny or you let somebody fire you.
0: I am an entrepreneur. I've, I used to practice corporate tax law. I had a couple of businesses. Now I'm here. I have been fired from so many jobs. I don't know why people don't just admit that. It's it's fine. I mean, you, you find your way, right?
1: Yeah, I, I don't see the point of uh, I mean, it's really a decision about destiny. Do you want to control your own destiny? I actually think being an entrepreneur is far more work, uh, a lot more stressful And the whole idea of it is you work very, very hard for a period of your life so that you can set yourself financially free. It's not really about greed of money. It's about freedom. But what what is kind of ironic is I'm working harder today than I've ever worked because I want to and I enjoy it. And there's a lot of different things that I invest in. And I, I just it's kind of crazy because in the beginning, I thought if I could only make some money, I wouldn't have to work. Well, I made some money and now I'm working like hell.
0: I have the exact same story as you like when I started my business, it was just to like make a certain amount of money. Yes, I think money equals freedom, which I know you've said before, I could not agree with that more. And then yeah, and then I didn't work for a minute. And I'm like, wait a second, I need to reinvent myself again. Like I'm too young. I can't and now I love what I do. So I totally agree with you. We all know your story. You started a company in your basement. You know, you have your MBA. You work for Nabisco. You sold your company for 4.2, as you like to refer to it, billion with a B dollars. And that was like right at the height of the dot-com boom. So, you know, how much of business success do you think is timing? Like, of course, it's smarts and hard work and the person and having that in you. But like, how much do you think timing plays into something?
1: Well, timing is huge, but also karma is huge, and good luck is huge, and hard work is huge, and I think all of these things have to come together in the perfect point for it to work out. You know, I've 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 tried many different things, invested in many different companies, worked and started other companies. Some worked, some failed. It's serendipitous in some ways. It's it's random in some ways. It's just you know. But but the thing is, you create your own luck by constantly. getting out there and trying to figure out what's next. And and every once in a while, you get a monster hit and lightning strikes. Sorry.
0: I I would agree with all of that.
1: Oh, Siri just went off. It's listening to me. and heard something very exciting. I got to turn this off.
0: I was like, is that, I was like, is someone here with us? It
1: just shows you, your phone is always listening to you. You got to be careful with this thing.
0: That's, that's, that's what they say, right? Yes. Well, I I agree with you. I think, you know, luck and timing and that plays a big part of it. What about, you know, because you are so like self-assured and you've had so many successes in business, like is there, as, as a businessman now, like do you have those doubts on a daily basis? Do you have those insecurities? Because we don't see them from where we're sitting.
1: I must tell you something interesting about my business day. I've got investments now in over 35 companies. And every day, starting from you know five or six in the morning, because some of them are in Europe and Asia, I get phone calls of utter despair at the same time, utter euphoria. There's always something going on in the portfolio that's really, really good or really, really bad. And, and that's daily. And so what I, I think of it now is a passion play. I can't get bummed out about the failures, but I also shouldn't be too euphoric about the successes because they're all part of it. They, they come together. And it's really a remarkable thing. You don't realize that's going to happen until you actually build a portfolio that size and that realize every day something's going great and it's it also can be catastrophic. And so you have to live in the groove. You just got to get into the zen of it and, and realize that, No one thing should take you off the tracks. And that's the way I live my life now. I know there's going to be some bad calls today. I don't know on what, but they're coming. And then at the end of the day, maybe in the middle of the day, boom, somebody wants to buy one of my companies for some crazy price. It's like that every day.
0: It is, and that's what makes it exciting, right?
1: Yeah, it's volatile. And it requires a certain mindset that you get with experience. And I think I probably couldn't have dealt with this you know, four, three or four decades ago, but now I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the mode, I'm in the zone. And, you know, again, it goes to the whole idea. And I would, I'd ask people to think about this. The, the reason you would pursue a life of entrepreneurship is to get to a place where nobody controls your life. Nobody, where, where you decide on your own, what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And that's the state I'm in now. I mean, it's sort of, I look at my day in 30 minute blocks. I'm, you know, we haven't, done this before I'm happy to do it. I'm interested to see what happens, but I don't have to do anything and and that's a good place
0: that's a very good place. I think that's the real place to be. What about you know everyone knows you from Shark Tank, but I don't think a lot of people know that you started on Dragon's Den, the Canadian version of Shark Tank, and that was one of the highest rated shows in that channel's TV history you know, and a large part of that is attributed to you and your you know I would say brazen, outspoken, some people say mean ways. So where did all of this come from? Like, was this, were you, was that always in you? Were you specifically hired to be the Simon Cowell of Dragon's Den? Or did it, did you know you had this in you? Talk to me about that. Everyone that listens to this podcast always tells me I have attitude, but now... I also have attitude. That's right. Literally, attitude. You know, attitude, as in the sheets that are eco friendly. They're made from 100% bamboo. Everyone who knows me knows that I have a hard time sleeping. I want sheets that are comfortable. I want sheets that are affordable. I don't want to break the bang. And look, it's also you want to do something good for the environment, right? Attitude sheets are made without toxic chemicals, which means they use 99% less water than cotton. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, you want sheets that are comfortable. Oh my God. These are as comfortable as silk sheets. I'm one of those people that always wanted silk sheets. But listen, have you ever looked at the cost of silk sheets? I found that I sleep better at night. And listen, if you think I can do this podcast five days a week without a good night's sleep, this requires a lot of energy. It's not all coffee, guys. So listen, right now you can get 20% off your order plus free shipping when you visit Etitude.com slash velvet rope and enter promo code velvet rope. Remember that's attitude. E-T-T-I-T-U. U D E order today for free shipping and 20% off your entire order at attitude.com slash velvet rope and enter promo code velvet rope. And you'll start sleeping better today.
1: You know, it, it stems from something my mother told me years and years ago that I, I didn't think of in the moment, but it, it must've been imprinted in me. She said, always tell the truth and you'll never have to remember what you said. Now, if you think about how that translates into business, um, it means it's better. Business is binary. Either you make money, or lose money. It's very binary that way. And so I think it's very important to tell the truth. Now, in the context of, of, of Shark Tank, that that gets construed as I'm the mean shark. And, you know, I'm not the mean shark. I'm just telling you the truth because if you you should listen to what I'm saying because if you think I'm tough, wait till the real world gets a hold of you. It's going to chew you up and spit you out. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to get these people to think about, the merits of their ideas in the context of will they be successful or they, will they waste all their family's money? Some of these people mortgage their homes. And I think it's very disingenuous when Barbara, who's you know, to my right and Lori to my left, say, oh, you know, you keep going. I, it's really kumbaya. I'm not going to invest in you, but you just keep doing what you're doing. And I say to both of them, what are you doing? You're encouraging them to go to Zero. That's very just. You, know, you, you, you should you should really think about what you're doing there. That's very, very bad karma for them. And, you know, and, and over the years, we've had some fights about it. But, you know, we're all friends at the same time. And, you know, I'll give you an example. The only reason Barbara gets to the Shark Tank set each year is I buy her a new broom.
0: Well, you know, whose business style are, you know, to that point, whose business style do you find is the most similar to yours out, out of the other sharks?
1: We all have our different, we've been doing this for 13 years. I mean, we know each other very, very well. It's sort of important to understand that. It's one of the longest running shows in history. um, And we're very proud of it because it's become an iconic platform. But very early on, you know, this whole mean shark thing and nice shark and all this stuff. I remember uh, I was working in London, England for Discovery Channel, a project called Project Earth. And the phone rang and it was Mark Burnett And he said, Listen, uh, I've got two tickets to the airport for you. I want you to meet me for breakfast at Shotters tomorrow morning. You need to fly over the ocean to get to LA. And I went, What? What am I doing that for? He said, You want to do this. You want to be here in the morning. So, you know, Mark Burnett's Mark Burnett. And um, that was the beginning of our relationship. I flew out there. And he, you know, basically, we didn't talk about anything other than our own individual lives. We're supposed to have breakfast for an hour. We were there for five hours. It was crazy. And he said, look, a limo is going to pick you up tomorrow morning. I'm shooting a, a new show, a pilot called Shark Tank, and I'm looking for a real asshole and you're it. And I said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, don't go changing. Be the be all of the asshole you can be. Be honest with the asshole. Be the asshole. I said, wow, that's really complimentary, I guess. And that was the we, I've never looked back in 13 years.
0: Did you ever think, like, being the asshole would get you a job that would last 13 years on such a national platform?
1: Well, of course, I don't think of myself as an asshole. I just tell the truth according to the mother's, you know, direction. But my attitude is being the antagonist is not a bad thing. I should tell you something. I've won, you know, the show's won four Emmys. Yeah. Four. But the the, the award I'm most proud of is recently winning the Most Hated Man on Television, a global competition. I was so proud of that. You have no idea.
0: I didn't even know you won that. Is that like current or like through anyone on TV? No, it's
1: it's awarded each year and I won it four years ago and then somebody else beat me out and I was very concerned would I ever get it back and I'm now back in the saddle. I'm, I'm the most hated man on television award this year. I am so proud.
0: Who beat you out? Do you know? I don't
1: even want to mention their name. Why should I give them free promo? Forget it. We're competitors.
0: You're back now. That's all that counts. I mean so right so that is really why Mark hired you and right when Mark Burnett calls you go cross an ocean are you shocked I mean like you said 13 years of Shark Tank like did you ever think when this show started that you would be here
1: no I remember when we were on stage when the show got announced at the upfronts Uh, it was in LA the reporters just laughed at us. They, they didn't even think we'd do the first six pilots. They just thought this is gonna be so boring and go to zero. Look how wrong critics can be. I mean, Shark Tank has trans- transcended television. It's an iconic platform. It's where people come to launch their businesses. We've created multiple millionaires. We've sold billions of dollars of product of consumer goods and services. It's on in 23 countries all around the world. You know, I, I was recently on a train from, Zur- from Geneva to Zurich in Switzerland, and this couple came up to me and said, can we take a picture of you? Uh, we, we just got married. We'd like to take a picture together with you. You're the most hated man in Austria. And I said, wow, Austria? They said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have Shark Tank translated there, and everybody hates you. I said, that's wonderful. And we took the shot together. It was great. This is a great gig for me.
0: It is a good gig where did mr wonderful come from you know like you had all this in you and you were hired by mark you know to double down maybe i'm being mean or you know truthful but like where like did you come up with the name mr wonderful how did that name come about for you
1: it it happened on a show called the lang o'leary exchange in a former life i had a 10 year old a 10 year run with a woman named amanda lang uh, on a business network and we used to go at it each day um we had a lot of respect for each other, but we never agreed on anything. She was a left-wing communist, and I'm obviously a capitalist. And so we went into a really interesting dialogue each day, looking at the world news and politics and whatever. And I think, you know, somewhere along the line, she might have said, oh, aren't you just Mr. Wonderful? And it stuck. And today, when I land, I'm, I'll never forget, I landed in um, Los Angeles, and there was a driver with a sign there, you know, for people coming out of the baggage plane. And it said Mr. Wonderful on it. And I walked up to him and I said, Do you know my name? He said, yeah, you're Mr. Wonderful. I said, no, my real name. He said, no, everybody knows you as Mr. Wonderful. Is that good enough? I said, yeah, I guess so.
0: It's a brilliant branding of a name. I wish that I thought of a name as great for myself. What's like the origin behind it? I mean, other than like, was there a thought of like, okay, you're Mr. Wonderful. Is that like, a, or am I being too deep here? Like, is that a play on, well, you know, you are truthful, so you know, that goes with being mean. So like, Oh, you're Mr. Wonderful. It's like, it's ironic. Or is it like, you are helping these people, like you said, like to your point, Barbara and Lori, if people listen to them, they might go down a dead road for 10 more years. Like you really are the one giving them the best business advice. Or am yeah, I just I, being I, I, too I, ethereal in this and it, there's not that much behind it? No,
1: I, I think, I think there's a sarcastic element to it. Um, you know, and, and I, I think, uh, nomenclature like this sticks. And, um, it's remarkable, you know, when I travel and I'm actually quite proud of this, I've got, you know, you think about the audience of shark tank, it's, it's eight and nine year olds all the way up to 90 because families watch it together. And it's, it's a great educational tool for, for, for kids that are interested in entrepreneurship to learn some of the, the technical natures of deal-making and, and structures. And I remember it was a few years ago, um, I think it was in San Francisco, SFO Airport, this nine-year-old girl comes running up to me with her mother way behind her and said, Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Wonderful, um, you should have done a convertible debenture up 20% last night on Shark Tank. And I went, what? How would you know what a convert is, let alone up 20? I've got people working for me that don't know what that is. And she said, and her mother had caught up by then. Apparently, she was a math phenom at the age of nine, doing college level physics and mathematics, and so wow. she shot on she saw it on Shark Tank and she looked it up online and figured it out in a couple of hours. But I mean, that just goes to show you. And I can guarantee you, Disney, MGM, ABC, nobody had any idea when that show was put together what would happen. And and it's it's just been an extraordinary journey. I mean, it's just incredible. And and I think you you can't you can't. Make this stuff happen. It just happens or it doesn't. And it just captures the imagination of America and it, it's the essence of that American dream, you know, being portrayed on the screen every night and, and there's you know there's all kinds of emotions associated with it. I have to admit, I watched the shows myself because most of those those presentations are an hour and 20 minutes. And I'm always intrigued how the editors cut it down to eight. It really is an art.
0: I figured they lasted long, but I didn't realize they lasted that long. Are you proud then to be like part of something like this? Like when like a nine year old or you know like kids come off, or you, even when you have kids on the show. That like I mean, this really is teaching people about business.
1: Yeah, I am proud of it. Um, it's you know it really does consume a tremendous amount of um, of my life and time, and and I'm but I enjoy the work. And I you know with then I have companies that I'm responsible to. Um, we certainly have them, and I I look at it in the context of. You know, how, how do we do this um, and, and, and keep these companies growing? Like, so I have a big infrastructure of people that actually um, help manage these portfolios. And some of these companies have been huge successes. I sold plate to Albertsons for $340 million. That's the biggest exit in Shark Tank history. That's paid for every mistake I've ever made and will make for years to come. So, you know, I, I like what's happening.
0: I love it. Now let's just talk about, I want to know out of the five catchphrases that come to the top of my mind from Mr. Wonderful. Don't cry about money. It never cries for you. Take it out back behind the barn and shoot it. I mean, these are all classics. They're going to cut, they're going to crush you like the cockroaches that you are. Of course, all roads lead back to Mr. Wonderful. And then you're dead to me. Do you have a favorite out of those?
1: Well, I always thought you're dead to me basically says the relationship is over in a very concrete way. And and I I remember saying it the first time, um, you know, it just came out of my mouth and it, it just became one of those catchphrases that, you know, people say back to me every day. But I was frustrated with that guy. He had a product that um, removed graffiti uh, and and very interesting product for cities. And I was interested in investing in it and his valuation was crazy. And so we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I finally said, okay, you're dead to me. I mean, I just, it just, it was a, you know it was a way of, of being final and uh, and it just came, you know there was another one called Nothing Burger um, which I caught Hillary Clinton saying in her campaign a few years ago for president. And I thought, gee, I gotta charge her a royalty.
0: You're going to have to charge me a royalty, too, because I say it all day in many situations. And I think it's one of the best things ever. Talk to me about like, you know, you are known for the royalty deal. You're known for the debt deal. Your other sharks make so much fun of you for these deals. Why do you think that is? They all copy you now.
1: Yes. Well they you know, I'm the I'm the guy that came out of finance. I mean everybody has a discipline. The great thing about Shark Tank is each of these people are self-made in the sense that they were operators of a business. And that's much different than a typical venture capital firm where you've got a lot of analysts and HBAs and MBAs and you know, lawyers, but they've never run a business. It's much different when you've run a business and it's even better when you've been successful doing it. And so I have to respect them for their vertical knowledge. But when it comes to financial structure, nobody can touch me because that's all I've done. And that's where I came out of uh, was, you know, financial services industry. So when I sat there the first few years, I thought, why is everything straight common? Why am I, well, I wouldn't do that in the real world. Why don't I start putting venture debt in place, convertible ventures, preference shares, royalties, And in the beginning, the producers were nervous. It was too complex, too complicated. But but we have, you know, I I love what what I love about the show is it's educated, you know, three generations of 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 entrepreneurs about different structures. And today we have very complex structures, all kinds of prefs and converts. And as you know, that nine-year-old girl knew what a convert was, up twenty percent. So it's it's a great thing that's happened here. But you know, I should be invoicing those other sharks for what I've taught them.
0: You really should. I mean, did did the producers really come up like after a show and say, like, I don't know where you're going with this. Maybe we'll shy away from these type of deals.
1: They did in the early days. They, and they, you know, they would they would say, look, nobody in the back room understood what the hell you were talking about. Please don't do that. And then over time, it changed. And now we have very complex discussions about financings because what's happened is real venture capital companies are coming on Shark take. The valuations aren't one hundred thousand anymore. they are one hundred million. I mean, we've got deals where valuations are past 100 million, and these are deals that are in the market, and and what they want, what they figured out, what these venture capital firms have figured out is, you know, the biggest problem starting a new business in America is customer acquisition costs. Eight out of 10 go bankrupt because they basically, over a three-year period, can't get customers. They keep advertising themselves into oblivion. So their customer acquisition costs are not higher than the lifetime value, and so, so they're they are higher than lifetime value which means they keep right. advertising losing money they acquire customers and they lose money and so when you get on shark tank you get a hundred million eyeballs in syndication so your customer acquisition costs go down and so the venture capital firms understand that and they put their deals on shark tank because they want the hundred million they want the eight minutes of prime time advertising and so i take advantage of that you know i say to people look oh, Mr. Wonderful, please invest in my deal. The last round was at 100 million valuations. And I, I say, I don't care. I don't care what some other guy valued you at. There's only one Mr. Wonderful. And you want the only Mr. Wonderful to invest in you? He gets the great Mr. Wonderful discount, maybe 50% off. Then you have Mr. Wonderful. And I don't care about the other investors. You want me and I know why. And so then we start our real discussions. And half the time I get
0: what I want. You do. And you do say that. Do you think like, cause I mean, we've seen this where you Mark especially calls people out, like, you know, when the people come on and you think like, yes, this valuation is insane, or we just gave you basically what you wanted. You're turning this down. Like you're using the show as a platform. You really don't want to deal. Can you tell like mostly when that's happening? And does that bother you as much as it seems to bother Mark?
1: Uh, it, I, it doesn't bother me they basically never air most of them don't air a couple make it really? through, but the producers have become very very savvy now at figuring out who are we call them gold diggers the ones that come on there and try and um you know promote uh their company without ever intending to do a deal it's, it's 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 kind of stupid too because if you look at the actual numbers the way this really works is if you get a deal with a shark you go into the update cycle so every six months the network does an update on where you're at and and that actually, in some cases, sells more product than your original airing. So if you don't get a, a shark, you're just going to go true. off into oblivion into the thousands of pitches that have actually gone out there that never close the deal. So you really want to figure out a way to get a deal done.
0: That's true. Right. Like when we see those updates, I imagine sales spike, even if the product is doing great. How many like how many pitches do you think you see that never air like what's the just approximate percentage i mean that must be a lot of your time and all the other sharks time
1: there's about a hundred thousand applications um i think probably fifty thousand are scrutinized uh 350 are chosen uh 220 make it to la to get shot about 180 air uh you, you know you can imagine that these people that make it there and rehearse every single day we never see them before you do so They're working on it, working on it, really trying to figure out what that message should be. And they practice, but nothing prepares you for the moment you walk through those doors and it's real and just 20 cameras rolling. um, You've got all the sharks up there, ready to grill you. It's, you've you've tried to rehearse, but you can't know what the the real moments like, and that's going to differentiate you from the, the winners and the losers over these these decades now, I can say that now, you know, I'm right in front of them. And what happens when you come out on that carpet is you don't see this in, you know, on the show, but there's a, a good two and a half minutes where the set, the floor director is saying to that entrepreneur or the team that's there, here's your mark, stand here. Now we're going to get a couple of cameras to come and shoot you and your product. Don't say anything. Just look forward at the sharks and let the cameras do their work. So there's a jib and there's something called a steady cam. and you see those introductory shots, but they're, they're there for two minutes. And I look them right in the eye. They're dead in front of me and I just stare at them. And it must be really nerve wracking for them because I don't, I don't stop. I just, you know, look at them. And the reason I do that is I can tell this is how far it's gone and how far it's come. I can pick the winners and the losers before they even say a single word. I can tell right then the aura of either their confidence or you know their level of, of uncertainty. It's just you can read it in their eyes, and I'm never wrong.
0: Really? Yeah. So just by staring at them, you could say whatever. Like you don't know the valuation, you don't know anything. You're just looking at someone. Like you don't have like a. This is what this, I'm looking
1: this. at them for two minutes, and I wow. don't stop. And it must make them incredibly uncomfortable. My whole point is that you should learn in life that there's many ways to communicate, and it's not always verbal. It's how you stand. It's how you look back. It's how you 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 push back with a sense of confidence, or you don't. And so that, that, that is very important. And I think that aura exists with everybody. So you should think about that when you walk in a room for the first time or maybe you're making a presentation or, or you know, you're being introduced by somebody. You need to elude confidence. You need to be ready for that moment, whatever it is. And if you're not, you know, people like me who have learned how to read these tells are going to call you out on it. And, and I am never,
0: ever wrong, ever. I love that. What about $2.5 million for 10% of Zips? We know that you are a wine connoisseur, first of all, it is a brilliant idea. Wine in a can. I mean, just peel off the top. Like what, what was it about that investment that you were just like, this is a winner?
1: Well, I am really uh, have a pretty big wine business now. I'm very fortunate. It's been very successful. Um, you know, My whole thing about wine is direct to consumer. You know, I've got millions of social media followers. People trust me on my palate with wines. I've got your back on wine. A lot of people don't know the different varietals, I do. And I I bring wines to the market that are made for my family and and people enjoy them and my return rates are very low. But when you sell direct, as you can now, I have 19 different vineyards in Sonoma, Napa, Washington State, Walla Walla Valley, of 3000 acres either owned or under lease and we make millions of cases of wine. Now, when I ship that to a retailer, like a uh, Costco or a Target, that's great business too. But my highest margin is when I sell it direct to the consumer. A case of wine weighs 39 pounds. No one ever buys 12 bottles at a time, but if I ship you a whole case, it arrives at your doorstep already in a little mini wine cellar. You just put it in a dark place and you have wine anytime you want. And I've grown that business. That's become a very big business. And I partnered with QVC and others. Um, I've got a brand new business starting in August called Shop Mr. Wonderful. And that's going to have a wide range of different wines, including my own, O'Larry Fine Wines, but also others. I'm I'm curating wines from all around the world now. And I'm going to put together offers uh, for people that want to explore different ideas they'll be the best wine, you can get the most incredible price. I mean, the majority of wines, I have to tell you something, a lot of people don't know this. The majority of wine in America sold for under $14.99 a bottle, 97% of wine. So you have to be really good at picking out which is a good wine and a poor wine under that price point. I happen to be particularly good at finding the gems.
0: What happens if you make a mistake and you get home and you open that bottle of wine and it's not good? Or that it happens. Happen. You know, some percentage
1: happen. of wines are spoiled. They just, they, they get matterized, oxidized, whatever you want to call it. That's just the nature of the organic thing that wine is. But the majority of the wines I sell are, are in great shape. They arrive in great shape. Uh, my reviews are you know, five star. Um, I really have adapted. I blend my own wines, So I've really adapted a lot of the classics like a Syrah or a Malbec to the American palate. I know what the palate is because I've got millions of people who've tried my wines over the years and so I, I'm very good at adapting a classic, like a Moscato, which was actually cured, the first time that was ever harvested was in the times of the Romans. They used to make the Moscato grape and they, they love that sweet wine. And so I've adapted it to be a little crisper for the American palate. And, and the way you can tell is I've won, you know, my Chardonnay, which is slightly less oaky, just won its fifth gold award last week. Uh, my Cabernet Sauvignon, the classic red wine, very spicy wine, fourth. Gold Award, so the, you know I'm I'm killing it because I'm doing it with a lot of passion behind it. It's half art, half science. That's what's going on there. So I would say to anybody that wants to try a great case of wine, I had a huge wine sale last night on QVC. Just go to qvc.com, choose an O'Leary case, and we'll ship it to you for free. And try these wines; they'll just you'll be blown away. You won't go to another brand after this.
0: I love it. I've tried many of them, and they're very good. Do you have a favorite type of wine? I, I do. More, I, yeah.
1: I, I, I drink um, a glass of Chardonnay, but I prefer the Montrachet style, which is what I blended my O'Leary Chardonnay. So I drink a lot of my own uh, Chardonnay and I love my Cabernet Sauvignon. Those are the two that I drink the most of. Generally, I have a glass of white around five o'clock and then I have two glasses of red with my meal. Um, you know, I try and finish drinking by about 830. so I don't screw up my sleep. I'm really into that whole sleep thing. But um, I love I love wine, and you know, red wine—a glass of red wine every day—is is is all about longevity. There's certain, uh, you know, aspects of red wine that that are linked to longevity, so it's really good for you in some ways.
0: That's what they say, and I am here for it. What about what is the what's your best return on investment and worst return on investment from Shark Tank? Like the best product and worst that you've invested. Well,
1: you know the best way to answer that is to look over the track record of 13 years. In venture capital, only 2 out of 10 deals work. So you get two that are stratospheric hits and then you get four that are living dead that just don't go anywhere and they take a lot of your time and the remainder just go to zero. So you're batting, you know, 20% in the tr- in the real world. Now, in the case of Shark Tank, because of what I talked about earlier, the free customer acquisition, the number one cost in running the business, which used to be customer acquisition and advertising, gets reduced in some cases to zero. So we can take a marginal business and make it profitable. So our success rates are more like 50%. We make money on 50% of our deals. And that's been going on for a long, long time. Of course, there are always failures, but there's always incredible successes. I mean, I have some amazing deals PRX that makes gym equipment exploded last year during the pandemic. Love Pop greeting card is the fastest growing greeting card company in America. Uh, Wicked Good Cupcakes, one of the biggest commercial kitchens for cupcakes. Just over and over and over again. I do insecticides. I do technology, uh, consumer goods and services. There's just so many different companies doing so many different things. Um so this, is, this jacket is actually MC Squared. This is a company that makes sustainable post-it notes. So you don't throw all that paper out. There's billions of pieces of paper thrown out every year. They make reusable post-it notes. And that's what this jacket's made out of.
0: <laughs> I love that jacket. That was the first thing. What about, do you ever look at a product where you didn't invest? Like, say, I mean, tipsy elves, like what the hell? Or like Scrub Daddy or even like Bomba Socks, which apparently is the most successful product in Shark Tank history, and say, wow, I never would have predicted that. Like, what is that? Like tipsy elves. I mean, I personally would never have predicted that would be a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really about... um having diversity of investments, because you can't predict outcomes. You just can't, you don't know. And and you have to realize that the best thing to do is go to the season and do maybe 15 deals of which 10 close. And then out of that 10, you know, five of them are gonna be huge hits, but never the ones you think. It's never the ones you think. I have many that I thought this is an amazing deal that just fizzle out. And then some random thing like potato parcel, which ships your face on a potato to you, who knew that would be a hit? It's a monster hit. It's one of the highest returns on Shark Tank history. So you just don't know.
0: You just don't know. And is that what it is? Like if you did like say 15 deals, what, like half of them close or like 10, like what percentage close?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you don't know year to year, but generally two thirds or better, you know, I mean, most of the deals and the thing is you get, to, you do due diligence. People say crazy things when they're in front of the cameras that sometimes are stretching the truth, but you're going to find that out in due diligence. If you can't get over that hump, you don't close, but most of them
0: close. Could the person back out also, like as you're doing due diligence, like could the person that came in for the investment that's agreed, they could back out too?
1: Yeah, they could, but why would they? How, How else are you going to get 100 million eyeballs? Very few people do that. I mean, if you can get a Shark Tank deal, it's going to change your life.
0: I would think so. I mean, that's why they're there to begin with. Who do you, I mean, I know the statistics and everything, but who do you feel like when you're sitting there, you come up against the most, like just in your mind, like who are you always, it's down to like you and someone else. Like who do you lose deals to you feel the most out of your fellow sharks?
1: Well, I I think that the most difficult shark to circumvent is Mr. Wonderful. He's the guy I look out for. And, um, I always want to do deals with him. He's my favorite shark.
0: Listen, he's a great shark, (laughs) <laughs> speaking of your other sharks, what is the first, tell us one word that comes to mind when you think of like Robert, Damon, Lori, Mark, like each of them and Barbara.
1: Well, you know, Barbara and I have a special relationship. Um, I've known her a long time. Uh, I, you know, the thing is when, when you work with somebody for this long, 13 years, years—that's that's more than most people work with anybody. I mean, this is like, um, most people move jobs after three or four or five years, but we've been doing this together for a very long time. And so, and we've built this incredible following and, and we know each other's um, banter. But but what ma- makes it so interesting is each year, it's never predictable. I mean, it's just something happens, something changes, something occurs. I don't, it just, you know, and we stay in touch during the year, but I, I will say this, everybody's lives are so busy because of Shark Tank that we've never been able to get them back in a room during the off season, not even once, never. You can't get them all together because we're just buried in, in stuff we're doing. And we just can't get to the same city at the same time. So that, that moment when we all arrive, um, this year it'll be in July in Los Angeles. It, it's, pretty, it's like a, it's like a uh, you know, summer camp reunion. <laughs> And, and you know, the thing is, we work really hard. We get up at five in the morning and we don't get home till 10 at night. Um, and we just, get the rest, and we, we, we shoot three days in a row and we're, it's pretty tiring and then we take a day off and we do shoot another three days in a row. And it's very intense and you need to stay sharp. So we don't really go out and party very much. Um, I remember in the early years, um, you know, the second season maybe, we, we didn't really know each other. So we used to go out to dinner every night together. And, and one night, uh, Damon and I, and Mark and Robert, I looked at my watch and it was 530 in the morning. We were in a club and I I went, guys, are we shooting today? And they looked at me and said, yeah. Um, we had stayed up all night and, when I got to, so we 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 realized we got to get to the set in forty five minutes. We had no sleep, and when I sat in the makeup chair, it's been the same makeup team for thirteen years. Darcy said to me, "You smell like a drunk." <laughs> and that day of Shark Tank was one of the best we ever taped. Everybody was so hungover that we just went at each other's throat for blood. And it was fantastic television. You know, I'm not endorsing going out and drinking all night. I couldn't even do that today. But it was one of those moments that goes down in Shark Tank history. And that, you know, that was, we'll we'll never do that again.
0: I love it. What about the guest judges, Alex Rodriguez? Have you ever met Jennifer Lopez, Kevin?
1: Yeah, yeah. She comes to the set. He's probably been on two or three times. She's there. I actually did a couple of awards show with her. She's a very nice woman. There's no question about it. But, you know, you, the thing, everybody wants to come to the Shark Tank set. All the Hollywood stars either see themselves as a shark or, you know, they want to pitch an idea. When we're taping, it, because of COVID, it's not the same today. But in the old days, every star in Hollywood was at the Shark Tank set. You know, John Mayer would come. and We, we had everybody. Everybody's, everybody wants to sit in the chairs and take that picture like this, you know. And, and it was just a rotating, you know, carousel of, of different artists. And we really enjoyed it because we'd have lunch with remarkable people. I mean, it was just um, everybody. And now, of course, it's the security and, and uh, the, the COVID protocols and all that. It's changed a lot. But I can tell you there was a lot of partying going on at Shark Tank for a lot of years. You know, nothing, nothing breeds success like success. When you get a hit show... Poo-poo
0: happens. Do they come to the set just to watch or no? Just like the guest judges you've had on, like everyone wants to be a guest judge.
1: Yeah, but I I think the the real guest shark shouldn't spend a day watching a taping because whatever they assume before they come is going to be wrong because you you don't realize how intense that whole thing is and how time-consuming it is and all the elements that occur. I mean, there's 150 people on that set from the lighting and the sound and the cameras and all the animation, animatics... Um, all the you know, incredible technology that's used to make that show, what it is, is, is you know, powered by our huge production team. And it's daunting, like, you know, you've got to get in the groove. You don't want to just show up the first day or a guest shark and st- just sit in that seat. You won't know what's going on. You got to watch it happen. So they have a guest room and, and they bring in various people that are contemplating being guest sharks and they sit and watch the taping. And they ask questions of the existing sharks, say, why do you do this? Why do you do that? You know, whatever. But it's important to socialize a bit first.
0: Well, maybe because she's already been to set, Miss Jennifer Lopez could be a guest shark.
1: I would think she'd be a terrific guest shark. You know, it's sort of um, a... And, and the thing you have to know about the actual production process is there are laws that stop the producers from telling us anything about what's going to happen. We don't know the deals. We don't know the guests. They are announced to us, you know, at a certain, uh, with a certain protocol... And that's actually important for the show because the discovery of that deal, we do that with you. We're, we're discovering at the same time you are when you're watching the show. We've never seen it before. And, and that's very, very important. In fact, if, well, you're asked to, to disclose Have you ever talked to this, to any of the sharks about this before. And if you have, you can't come on the show.
0: Why do you think Jennifer Lopez would be a good guest judge?
1: You know, in the brief moments I've known her, um, you know, backstage at American Music Awards or that kind of thing, or on the set of Shark Tank, I I would I would say she's a pretty pragmatic woman, given all the ups and downs that she's dealt with in her life, and I think that adds character, is what I think, and I would guess that she would be uh, a good shark because she could take the heat. You got to remember something. We say hi to these guests and we, we, we enjoyed meeting them in their company. But the minute those cameras start rolling and it deals in front of us, they're competitors and we rip them to pieces. I'm happy to shred her to pieces if I if I have to. But that's fine. Um, it's business. Business is war and you got to get over that and you have to stick up for yourself. You know, that's the way that's the way Shark Tank works. It's not the charity tank.
0: It's the Shark Tank. It is the Shark Tank. What about how was Bethany Frankel? as a guest judge?
1: Well, I know Bethany quite well. Um, she's got a lot of energy, as you know. Um, and, uh, you know, she, everybody has their own style. Uh, actually I've done deals with Bethany. We have, we have a deal called Snarky Tees Together which has done quite well. So, but you know, everybody's their own crazy chicken and she is definitely on the scale of crazy chicken.
0: Where would she be from zero to 10, 10 being the most?
1: On the crazy chicken index, she'd be a 15. You know, on um, that, that old adage, it goes to 11. Well, she goes to 15 on the crazy chicken scale.
0: That doesn't shock me. What about the fact, you know, she has this reputation of being like very difficult, like difficult to like work with. Like, is that true?
1: No, I think she's just her, you know, she's her own self and she sticks up for herself. Nobody's difficult to work with. They're all competitors. I mean, it's not like, um, you know, every nobody's the same. And that's, I think, it's the it's the unpredictability of what's going to happen that makes the show so interesting to watch. You have no idea what she's going to do. We, we've had plenty of guests that just are stunned by, you know, they think they're ready for it, and then they just get ripped to shreds. And so,
0: <laughs> and it's really. Your and I'm, I'm happy
1: to de- I'm happy to to deliver that news to them. No problem.
0: What about, have you ever watched The Real Housewives of New York?
1: Of course I have. I love the show. I like that kind of stuff. You know, uh, our director, Kenny, also directs The Bachelorette. And, and he was. And one year he was doing it at the same time. So we had a day off Shark Tank. He said, hey, Kev, do you want to come out to the set tonight? Um, we're shooting the opening sequences when all the girls get together for the first time up at the mansion, which was like, you know, 10 miles away. And I said, wow, that sounds cool. What time does that happen? He said, midnight. I'll send a car it'll pick you up so um and the next day we weren't taping shark tank so i went to the i went to the set and one of the things you should know in those days they had an open bar um and you know and i've been taping all day so i went to the bar had a couple of vodkas and then maybe a couple more and the girls started arriving at one o'clock and they started taping and all of them were drinking and so i got into the whole groove of the place and i started offering them advice about what they should do which guys to pick and you know what they're with there's but but basically, um, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be there doing that because they were taping the show. And some guy said, Wait a minute, Ken, is, is, that that, is that that guy, Mr. Wonder from Shark Tank, right in the middle of the set walking around? He said, What the hell is he doing there? Get him out of there, anyways. I got banned for life, I can never go back to the Bachelorette, really. Yeah, because they had
0: to like reshoot the whole thing. Because, that's right,
1: like- that's right. I was. I, I, I may have had one or two too many vodka sodas. I'm not admitting anything.
0: It happens. Listen, <laughs> I, I like a Grey Goose pear in a martini glass chilled with a lime twist. That's that's for me. What about, you know, well, we have David Spade now who just replaced Chris Harrison. Would you ever host a show like The Bachelorette or Bachelor?
1: I'm just, uh, I just wrapped a pilot uh, for CNBC called Money Court here in Miami at the Telemundo Studios, NBC, NBC Universal. Uh, think of Judge Judy on steroids. It's real business cases. And so in this case, I'm a judge, um, a real judge, a mediator. Um, these, these are contracts signed with these disputes. These are litigants that come to the court. I have Katie Fang of legendary, um, you know, reporter slash lawyer, trial attorney. And Adopozo, who's a who was a federal judge, so I've got real legal talent beside me. Uh, we just finished taping it, which is why I'm in Miami. I'm doing some follow-up work for it. It'll air August 11th on uh, CNBC. Um, I think people are going to be stunned by, by what they see. I mean, I was not prepared for what, what, what hit there, and then I got in the groove. It was really incredible. When people sue each other, um real litigation within families sometimes between landlords and tenants business uh, partners it's really nasty i mean there's the the festering wounds within family members can be brutal a mother suing her daughter can you imagine that it's all captured there on money court and i think it's going to be very very engaging it's sad to watch it happen but um but I, I think I did good work in helping these people find a resolution. Not everybody agreed with the outcomes, but uh, it's quite a show.
0: That sounds amazing. What about like Bethany just had her show. I mean, I know now she just stepped away from that deal, but would you ever do like that type of apprentice show? I mean, that was with Mark Burnett. You could have. Yeah,
1: no, it, it is. I, I look for, I get offered a lot of properties, a lot of shows, uh, uh, you know, it has to be on brand for me. It has to kind of be, it has to feel natural. Like, Being a judge and mediating business disputes is what I do every day in the real world, anyway. So, money court was a natural fit. I get offered a lot of crazy stuff, Um, and and I, you know, at this point, I, you know, I want to pick projects that I can grow. I want ownership in them. I want to invest in them. It's it's sort of the role of producer and and, uh, talent at the same time. I'm very interested in producing um, television around music and, and have been working on that a little bit um, with the guys at Rolling Stone. So there's a lot of different things in the hopper. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm an investor. I, I build businesses, I build companies and, and it has to kind of fit into that. And what we learned about Shark Tank is there's a tremendous interest in entrepreneurship. There's a, there's a lot of people that want to pursue that path. And so shows that are around that brand are interesting, but the granddaddy of all this is shark tank. I, you know, that platform is, I'm not going to do something that competes with that. I mean, it's just too big a platform. Um, and I, I've been given lots of advice from different people in television. And it, one day I was thinking of, you know, um, branching out into something else. And I, I, I called up Lauren Michaels who I, well, I don't know. I knew who he was, but, the great thing about being a shark is everybody returns your calls. It's incredible. And I asked him some advice about branding uh, for television. He said, "You know, you're the asshole on Shark Tank. Never ever give up the asshole." I said, "That's very kind of you." Thank you.
0: <laughs> it is your brands. I yeah. mean, like it's. I would say lean into it too. No, I'm. i pr-
1: Look, I'm, I'm proud of, of that. I've reached this, uh, you know, this plateau and. and and uh, I get what he was saying, but he's saying the same thing, Mark Burnett. These are, these are people that have been ma- amazingly successful intelligent for decades. Yeah. And, and, you know, Burnett's right. He said, you've you got to be yourself. You can't, you can't f- fake it. People smell bullshit a mile away. you got to be who you are. And if that works, it works. If, it's, if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's just it is what it is. And so I'm not going to be changing because that's who I am
0: are there any guest judges? Like we mentioned, Jennifer Lopez, like, do you have like an ideal, like, Hey, I'd love to get this person on shark tank or, and do a lot of people like a Jennifer Lopez type or whoever, like pitch you, like if you're out, you know, like you said, everyone wants to come on shark tank.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, shark tank is not having a hard time getting, uh, you know, products. They're, They're just inundated with requests. I mean, when you get to that iconic level, you get thousands of, of, there's a, a woman named Mindy Casting who has cast every single deal since the very first one. She has a whole team of people. It's like American Idol. I go to a city and they've got 1,000 people lined up. And, and she sees every single pitch. Can you imagine that? So she then recommends them to the producers. There's about 100 producers that actually develop these things and, and get to meet the entrepreneurs and do some background checking and all the rest of that people don't understand the amount of work that goes into making a show like Shark Tank. I mean, it, you got to hand it to those producers. That's why they won for, you know, I mean, it's sort of, it's a remarkable outcome. And, and, and if you put a product on Shark Tank, you're going to sell millions of it. It's just going to happen. Sometimes we make our money back the first night.
0: Wow. What about like, does anything shock you in TV? Like, you know, like, bringing up Bethany again, like she just had this huge, you know, seven-figure rumored deal with Mark Burnett, Big Shot. She had like this MGM development deal and now Big Shot, I don't think it went so well, no shade, you know, and now she's stepping away from it. The deal is over, whatever whatever the reasons for that are, who knows? Like, are you shocked when something is like so announced and it's going to be huge? Like Bethany and Mark Burnett, how could that fail? And now...
1: You know, I have been dealing with uh, Hollywood for 15 years nothing shocks me nothing nothing I've seen everything um, it is a very flaky place and it's it, there's, you only have a few friends there you never know if they're I mean the the, the place is I remember once in season four I won't mention his name but anyways, there was a, there was a CEO of, of ABC and I didn't want to have an agent and I, cause I'm perfectly capable of negotiating all my own deals. I don't need help. I don't need lawyers. I don't need, you know, I'll, I'll get them to paper the deal after I'm finished, but I'll negotiate it myself. And so it was a, you know, when it was a contract renewal for Shark Tank and, and what, and why would I want to pay somebody to do that for me? So I went to tell them that at Sony and at ABC and at Disney and I said, I don't need an agent. And they said, yeah, you do. I said, why do I need an agent? They just said, you do, you're going to need an agent because we do not want to deal directly with you. Your talent, you're nothing more than a piece of meat. And the sooner you realize that, the better. We'll trade you like a steak from one shop, one butcher to another, we don't care. What's important is you have an agent that has something to barter on your behalf and you don't have anything to barter except your piece of meat. You're the only steak in your house. We want a butcher with many steaks so that we can trade steaks. That's how brutal and blunt they were. And they were, of course, correct because I wanted certain things. They didn't want to give them to me. It would have been a really bloody blowout you know, discussion. I would have maybe had Harvard... Uh, difficult feelings for those people that I need to have good relationships for. Instead, my agent, um, a good one that I basically met that, not that day and, and decided to form a relationship with, did all that bloodshed for me and ended up with a much better deal that I could have never got. And I went, and I remember seeing that executive the next year and I said, and he said to me, now, what do you think? He visited the set and we had a little conversation at lunch. He said, now, what do you think? Was I right? And I said, you were right. The town doesn't change. There's, it doesn't change at all. It, nothing changes. The way it's working now is the same way it worked in the 40s and the 30s and the 20s before there was sound. It's 25 people that control the entire industry. At any one time, these 25 can change, but it's only 25. And you're either in with that group or you're not. It's that it's that simple. It's a very closed, secret, strange club. And it ain't changing ever.
0: And then does something like that bother you when they're saying you're a piece of me or like, no, I, I get it. This is just how it works. Like you're not going to change the establishment that's existed since the 40s.
1: You know, you can try and be a maverick. It's not going to work you can't it just doesn't work it's done a certain way and it's never going to change and you know the agencies change in terms of who owns what but there's basically three or four agents in in hollywood that do all the business it's it's a it's an 80 20 rule and um there's all kinds of verticals because social media has become important now and so there's agents that just work on digital but they're still agents and I don't do deals anymore without getting my agents involved very early on um, to understand. And, you know, we can negotiate fees on mega deals, on mega endorsement deals. That's one thing, but they're not stupid. They know what it takes to get done. And, you you know, I'm just, I'm pointing it out for people that think they can, I'm going to do this without Hollywood. No, you're not, no, you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen.
0: even though you think
1: you can it just ain't gonna happen and i'm I'm just telling the truth
0: i would agree with all of that you know in my limited experience with all such things i agree with that what about you know you mentioned you've met everyone you've been backstage at music awards with jennifer lopez like do you get starstruck and like have you like what's been one of your best celebrity experiences where like you meet someone that you're just in awe of or like I'm
1: a big fan of, of John Mayer because I, I think he, I like his style of guitar playing. I'm a guitarist miles you know, below his talent, but I learn a lot of stuff from him watching him play. Uh, he's also a big watch collector, so am I. So we have that in common. We have talked about that before. But um, you know, I'm always interested in meeting people that have a skill that you know I don't have, or that they do something that really interests me. You know, that I share, like watch collecting. I have a massive watch collection now. And so it and I think of it as an asset. And there's a lot of people in Hollywood that pursue some of these eclectic things like guitars and all the rest of that. But but mostly there's a downside to celebrity and there's a positive side to it. The positive side is it opens a lot of doors. Uh, the downside is most people think they know you very well. And of course, they don't. And that leads to uncomfortable moments sometimes. But, you know, all and all, I would, I'm very proud of what I've achieved in, in terms of television, and how I've been able to combine. You know, for me, what this has done, because I'm primarily an investor. Yeah, the, 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 the social media following and the celebrity makes my deal making better because I can, I can deliver to companies extraordinary reductions in customer acquisition costs. And that's how I've married the two. And so when people ask me about the downside of, of um you know, of celebrity, I tell them it, the offset is this combination of of investing with social media that's been incredibly successful for me, and I and I'm just you know I'm I would have never guessed it I I didn't anticipate it I wasn't planning for it but I have a whole team of people that just do social now, we generate a ton of content we're, you know we're like a network we we have so many different channels and followings and strategies and social media and podcasts and YouTube and LinkedIn influencing and all this stuff. um, It takes many people to do that work every day.
0: What type of because I know fans and people that feel they know you could be, you know, a little strange, like what type of uncomfortable run ins do you have you had? I imagine people do run down the street and scream Mr. Wonderful at you when they see you.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I, you know, pictures are a problem during a pandemic, but I try and never refuse kids. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny because in the early days, you know, my daughter said, I hate celebrity. I, I don't want to be involved with any of this stuff. She lives in New York until one day she couldn't get her friends into a club. So two in the morning, the phone rings and it's you know, my daughter saying, dad, the bouncer loves Shark Tank. If you just can you just get us in. I said, you hate celebrity. What are you, what are you calling me for at two in the morning? You, you hate celebrity until now. She said, okay, okay. I'll take it back. Just get us in the club. So, you know, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a two edged sword. Uh, it's disruptive, you know, in, in uh, family situations sometimes, but you, you can't be an asshole about it. I mean, you put yourself on television, like you, you, you know what, you know what you're going to get. Um, so I don't let it, I don't, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. I mean, I'll tell, I, I, I took a chance once and I ran uh You know, I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm also Irish. So in Canada, I decided to run for prime minister, you know, using the celebrity to try and launch a career as a politician just to see what that would, you know, if I could get to the finish line because I was interested in running the country. I thought I could do a better job than anybody else was doing as, you know, as a real investor. And uh, then I realized something um, that many people never think of when they get into politics. In celebrity, people like you or they don't like you. So, you know, Mr. Wonderful, the mean shark, all that stuff. I get it. But in politics, it's not like or dislike. They hate you. Fifty percent of the population hates you, and some of them want to kill you. And very strange stuff starts to happen. And that is a different vibe completely. When you start to worry about your personal safety. Um, I got into some crazy situations during that campaign, and I realized, wow, wow. This is not celebrity. This is something else, and and it is, it is. And, and I would urge people that are planning to run in politics to think that through, because you're you're, you're polarizing. You know, whether you're a conservative or a liberal or whatever party you're backing, you're pissing off a lot of other people that don't agree with your policy.
0: Yeah, you once said, and like I said, when I had a company, I worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days, and I'm pretty much there right now. I mean, you've made statements like this before. Is that the way of the entrepreneur or is there any other way? Like you've basically, I've seen you say things like you just, that's what it takes. You have to sacrifice everything. Is that true, you think?
1: There is no other way. Um, It's a global competition. Your competitor is going to work 25 hours a day, eight days a week. And if you don't, they'll just kick your butt. Uh, It is a total commitment. It is so hard to do. Uh, and, and the only way to know it is to do it. And it's, it's not instant riches, that's for sure. It's really, a tr- most entrepreneurs work for years before they achieve success. It's tough, but if, if it's in your blood, then you pursue it and the outcomes can be really good. And it lets you work harder at, at other stuff. I mean, I, I, I just, I go back to what I said, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, it's, it's a lifestyle, it's, it's not a destination, it's a journey and uh, you have to be ready to, to go on that rocky road. And all the good and bad and ugly that comes with it, um, add celebrity to it and it's even crazier. And so it's just, it is what it is. And I live it every day and I, I suck it up and I enjoy it. Not every day is a great day, but you know, again, I control my destiny and I, I, I want that. I, you know, that's, that's what matters to me. These things matter to me. And it lets me, you know, get every drop out of life I can the way I want to. And, um, you know, the, the other thing is you, you've got to understand you can't make everybody happy. I mean, you got to make yourself happy. That's you can't run around all day long worrying what people think about you. I don't. And so I learned that long, long time ago. I think it's important to have, you know, an arm's length and understand that you should not spend your day trying to make people like you. That is a waste of time.
0: That's good advice. What do you think is like the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs made? Like is there one thing you see that? people just go wrong
1: as entrepreneurs? They, they believe their own bullshit because they're out there spinning a story about how great their business is going to be when everybody knows you have to pivot. Whatever you thought was going to happen never happens. So you have to be very flexible and try and figure out what you have to do to make it work. It's not easy. So you know that you, you have to be very pragmatic about your success and failure. You've got to realize at some point, you know, if a business doesn't make money after three years, you got to take it up behind the barn and shoot it. I've always said that. Try something else. And um, that's the right way. Three years is a long time. You don't want to waste your whole life. You got to make sure you try and find something that works. If that one didn't work, maybe the next one will. You don't know.
0: Absolutely. We'll wrap up very soon. Would you ever do things like you know Robert was on Dancing with the Stars? I mean, I know you said it needs to be very on brand, but would you? Could we, maybe we'll see Mr. Wonderful one day on Dancing with the Stars?
1: Yeah, I thought about it. Um, the time commitment for that show is unbelievable. The amount of time in practice that you've got to do. And, you know, for me, it's, is, is that what I want to do for three months? It's, I, I love the show. I love to watch it, but I'm, I got so much stuff happening and I just, I don't know if I could put all that stuff on hold and sit in a dance, uh, you know, studio for eight hours. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I try and put in context the amount of time it's, it's time now that my, my, my most valuable commodity is time and I'm constantly trying to juggle for time, to make white space in my calendar appear, because I need some of that once in a while, but I don't have much of it. And, you know, there's just, um, it's just time. that That's a problem.
0: What else does Mr. Wonderful do for fun? I know, you know, when you're building the business, you work 24 seven, but you know, you're in a different situation now, even though time is still a problem, but I imagine you have some more time on your hands than in the beginning. Like, what do you do on your time off besides drink wine and travel?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm mostly starting new businesses these days. Recently, I've become really interested in crypto and I've started a um, decentralized finance business. I'm, I'm a buyer and I didn't start it, but I renamed it WonderFi. It was originally called uh, DeFi Ventures. Now it's called WonderFi. And somebody said to me, What are you? You're trying to copy Bradson. And I said, Yeah, I am. I like his model and I, I like Wonderful and I think it can help brand a lot of different things. And now it's WonderFi. So you know, I think we'll, we'll be able to acquire a lot of customers uh, that way, and we'll see. You never know. It's got risk to it, but um, I, know, I know Richard, and I, I think what he did is brilliant, and I'm happy to copy something that works, and that's what I'm doing with Wonderful.
0: What about money? I mean, I love money. You say you love money. Why is it such a dirty thing for people to say, I love money? I want to be filthy rich. That people don't want to just come out and say that. You have no problem saying that. Why do you think people just can't say that?
1: Well, I say in the context of freedom, you need money to be free. And so I don't say I love money. I love freedom. And along the way, you have to love money because that's how you get free. But you shouldn't pursue entrepreneurship for the greed of money. You should be pursuing it for the passion of free, freedom and to do the things that matter to you. you know. And then at some point, support the charities you care about, support the educational initiatives you like, support the arts you like, become a collector of watches, whatever it is. But none of that happens without, you know, being in pursuit of money Uh, in a business context. You have to make money. You have to be profitable. So it's not a dirty word to me. But the the, the real outcome of money is freedom. And I put the I equate the two together. And I being free is the essence of the American dream. And, you know, if, if you're if you're thinking money is dirty, then you're not part of that dream.
0: I agree. I think money equals freedom. Talk to us about shopmrwonderful.com. I know you mentioned that was coming. Is that just for wines, or is there more? That's going to be no. Coming? It's
1: everything. I you know I tell people go visit my Instagram, Kevin O'Leary TV, or my Twitter. Or any need that stuff. You know, uh, sign or up YouTube. for a relationship. I'm 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 always I'm constantly putting out content about stuff I see every day, and I think some people enjoy it. It's, it's It's an interesting way of communicating with millions of people. I couldn't put millions of people in a room, but somehow they are in a room on my social media platforms. It's really remarkable what's happened here. So you know, look me up on any platform and and, uh, let's engage. And I I invite everybody to do that. And if you like wine, uh, go to qvc.com and order a case. We'll ship it to you for free and you will be just blown away by the quality of that
0: wine. It's really good wine. And you have your YouTube channel also.
1: Yes. Yes. Ask Mr. Wonderful. I love it. A lot of fun doing that too. Do it every week. I've got all these editors I work with. It's just terrific. No question.
0: It's good. Final two questions. Is there one thing on Shark Tank that is like your biggest pet peeve, you know, like Lori loves to throw around her QVC, you know, we know Barbara likes to get in with some interesting investments. Mark gives someone, you know, two seconds to decide or move on. I mean, I don't know what you mean about that strategy. Like what is like out of your fellow judges, like our fellow sharks, like what's like the one thing that kind of gets to you the most? I,
1: I, I hate to tell me about your background, what high school you went to, what the name of your dog was. I don't care about any of that stuff. I want to know what can you do for me and what is your business? So that you're telling me about all the time you spent as a cheerleader. I couldn't care less, but you know, I have to tolerate that because others are interested, not me. I want to know what is it about you that can make this idea work? And if you're telling me it's because you were a cheerleader when you were 14, I just don't buy that.
0: You're not having it. So what final question, what is the biggest misconception about you? Because I don't know, like you have these people on the train that want a picture with you. I've run into you in New York before. You were extremely lovely to me. I got a picture with you. I don't know. You invest in wedding businesses, love pops. I think is Mr. Wonderful really just, you know, secretly a softie?
1: Uh, you know, I, I like to pursue different things. I mean, um, I, you know, I don't try and fake who I am. So some people, rubs the wrong way. I'm okay with it. Uh, and I said earlier, I don't spend my day trying to please everybody because I know it's impossible. But I pursue a lot of different interests. And so um, I'm always interested in meeting people that do something different than I do. And to learn from them. And, and just it's just interesting to learn new things every day. And I pursue that all the time. If, you know, there's some exhibit going on, some kind of uh, art that I hadn't seen before, I go and see it. I try and keep a broad brush in, in terms of new ideas. And I try and keep my businesses on track at the same time. And um, and then I deal with the ups and downs of every day like everybody else. And And I just think it's a rich life that way. I mean, there's certain pressures all the time. You, you, can't, you can't have a great day every day, as I always tell people, but you try to have a majority of them be great. And that's the best you can do.
0: Such good advice. Is there anything you want to cover that I didn't bring up? I have my own agendas. Thank you for answering all my questions for some business advice from taking us behind the scenes of Shark Tank. But anything I didn't bring up that you want to discuss?
1: No, I think you nailed that was a great interview and I'm looking forward to hearing it again. You should probably connect with Nancy and um, get us a copy of this um, and we can blow it up in a different way for you.
0: That would be wonderful no pun intended yeah.
1: well wonderful is wonderful it's, There's no no question about that i thought it was great and i look forward to hearing it and uh, we'll help you um get it out there
0: i uh, see you really are a nice guy i would totally appreciate it don't love tell the jacket. anybody it'll be our little secret love <laughs> the jacket you are the best shark there is just for the record people and i really appreciate it and i'll connect with nancy i really appreciate your time
1: Great. Take care. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much. Take care, Kevin. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope.